0: Church today, I pray that it is fun. You You're listening to a speak. Sun Life podcast. We pray that you be blessed and, by the uh, teaching of God's word. Yeah, for like, more information. Like visit Sun Pastor, Pastor Bin called me, call me. Friday afternoon and he was like, Are you free on Sunday? Can you come and speak? And um, I was I just was so happy that he called. I was so excited to be here. And I I am new to Perth, new to WA. And Pastor Ben was one of the first guys that I connected with when I arrived. And he's just been so wonderful. And uh, you guys have the best pastors in the world, don't you think? Yeah? Uh, good, to, good to know. Good to know. <laughs> but I love him and he's a good man and he's been so wonderful to me. And uh, it's so great to, you know, we, I was due to come in December. But due to these circumstances, we pulled it forward, and it's an honor to be here. God always knows, right? God always knows we have to just trust him sometimes, even though we don't know. But my name's Jason Lessels. I'm the Partnership Manager Oversight for Destiny Rescue in Western Australia, and I have a team in South Australia and Tasmania that I also oversee. And I've been in Perth for 11 months I, like uh, Simon was saying, I pastored in Sydney for 17 years. I'm a Kiwi. You could probably hear my accent. It's weird because when I'm here, I'm a Kiwi. When I go to New Zealand, oh, you're such an Aussie. So it's like, I don't know where I fit. <laughs> I fit somewhere in the space, but left New Zealand 22 years ago, came to Australia, uh, did Bible college. And then got asked on staff at Hillsong in Sydney. So I was pastoring at our Waterloo location for 17 and a half years. And uh, which was a fantastic time. Got to do almost everything under the sun and experience uh, lots of things under the sun and it's it feels great to be here today. I love I just love this. You go it makes me feel like I'm home, you know, being in this environment here. You know, I love it. It's fantastic. So uh, let's pray. we look, we're Ben asked me to jump into, you've got a series that you're doing at the moment on Colossians, Together for Christ. What a great, great series that you're being a part of. And um, I'm going to speak today a quick message, and then I'm going to, so just so you're aware, I'm going to spend the first part of my message talking about uh, your series and what I felt God spoke to me about. But then I'm going to flip the last half of and talk about Destiny Rescue and talk about how, I guess for us, as people in Australia, how we can engage with the work of Destiny Rescue to bring rescue to children in the darkest, most horrible spaces and places in the planet and how us here in Leaderville can play a significant part in the future of children all over the world. So let's go to Colossians 3, chapter 18 to 25. So it's in my Bible, it says, instructions for Christian households. Wives, submit Yourselves to your husbands as is fitting in the Lord. Husbands, love your wives and do not be harsh with them. Children, obey your parents in everything, for this pleases the Lord. Fathers, do not embitter your children, or they will become discouraged. Slaves, obey your earthly masters in everything, and do it not only when their eye is on you to curry their favor but with sincerity of heart and reverence for the Lord. Whatever you do, work at it with all your heart, as working with the Lord and not for human masters, since you know that you will receive an inheritance from the Lord as a reward. It is the Lord Jesus Christ, the Lord Christ you are serving. Anyone who does wrong will be repaid for their wrongs, and there is no favoritism. And there's another passage just at the start of for Colossians 4, 1, that is part of this. It says, Masters, provide for your slaves what is right and fair, because you know that you have a master in heaven. All right, let's pray. Father, we thank you for this morning. We thank you that it is, gosh, such a wonderful privilege to be able to gather together as your household, as your family in this place. I thank you for your word. I thank you that your word is sharper than any two-edged sword, it's able to bring correction and adjustment into our lives. And I pray for every person that's here today, that that it wouldn't be about Jason, it wouldn't be about my eloquence or my not eloquence, but it would be about God and people. That whatever people walk in today, whatever's going on in their private worlds, whatever things they're facing, whatever struggles they're facing, whatever wins they're celebrating, Lord, that you would be with them. Holy Spirit, that you would speak. I thank you that as your sheep, we know the shepherd's voice. And I pray that you would speak to your people today. And I thank you for your presence in this house. I thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. So I'm going to, my message is called, In the Eye of the Beholder. Is there anyone in the room today? Put your hand up if you're married or in a relationship. Awesome. Heaps of hands. Love it. Do you remember the first time that you laid eyes on that special person in your life? Can you remember that moment? Do you remember where you saw them? Remember what you were doing? Who you were talking to? What was going on? I, I sure can, right? For me, it was a hot summer's night, mid-January 2010. It was the last of nine services on a Sunday, and it was the last service was about to start, and I wandered out the front doors of church, and I was running a team in that service and or teams. And I wandered out the doors, and my world came to a grinding halt very quickly. I was like, "Hello, who is this?" Tamara came gracefully into my world that night, and I tell you what: for me to capture her heart, she made me work. I did everything I could to inject myself into her world, into her friendship groups, into her social hangouts, wherever she was, I wanted to be. Right? Suddenly, for me, someone had stepped into my world and their value in my eyes could not be matched. And this value grew over time as we built our relationship, we got married. We had kids. we got two kids now. I should have sent a photo through. Um, I've got a six-year-old and a three-year-old. And uh, her value in my life has grown significantly, both in the seen and the unseen. I would do for her whatever, whenever. No questions asked. Why am I telling you this? Because we are to show this same value love and respect for people that we find in our world as the household of faith. As the scripture here in Colossians is saying, we are to extend that same value, that same care, that same esteem to people in our house, around us, in our lives, but also in the world around us. Reflecting Jesus's value, love and and respect for them. And sometimes that's tough, right? Let's be real. As people, as humans, there's people that we naturally gravitate to and that we get on with, right? We could all sit around here. I don't know anyone in here apart from Simon and a couple of the guys, but I'm sure you could sit here, let's be honest. And there might be someone sitting along the row from you or in front of you or behind you that maybe you don't get on so well with. And that's okay. But we have to choose to value and esteem and respect them as Christ does, and see them through the value and the eyes of Jesus. So I guess I'm just going to bring in the few minutes that I have, I want to talk about, so for us as a household of faith, how do we value others like Jesus? Okay, I'm a practical man. As my team have always known in all the years, I like the KISS analogy. Anybody heard of the KISS analogy? keep it simple, stupid. And I think that as believers, we often have the tendency to make things complicated when they don't need to be complicated. And I love, I love the story of Jesus. I love, I love watching Jesus because he kept things simple all the time. Wasn't he simple? When he walked the earth, he was simple. I love watching the Chosen series. I bawled my eyes out in different episodes because Jesus kept things simple. He didn't make things complicated for us. He lived simply. Okay, so firstly... How do we value others like Jesus? Understand that everyone has the same value. Jesus came one time, and he died one time for all humanity. It's the same sacrifice and atonement, full stop, right? It doesn't matter what someone's position is. it doesn't matter what their status is. Does't matter if they have lots of money or little money. It doesn't matter if they're popular or they're not popular. If they're good looking, Simon, doesn't matter if they're good looking or they're not good looking, doesn't matter what their nationality is, where they've come from, what their gender is, Jesus values all people the same. So we need to treat and value every person that we come and interact with, with the same intrinsic value that Jesus does. So sometimes that's a decision, right? Right? We have to see them as Jesus sees them. We have to value them as Jesus does. And you know what? Sometimes we have to change our perspective. We have to slow down. We have to remind ourselves, Jason, see this person as Jesus does. And you have to choose to value and esteem that person. So, firstly, understand that everyone has the same value. And I love, before I go on, Luke 14, when Jesus was on the earth, he said, when you give a luncheon or dinner, do not invite your friends, your brothers, your sisters, your relatives, or your rich neighbors. If you do, they may invite you back and you'll be repaid. But when you give a banquet, invite the poor, the crippled, the lame, the blind, and you will be blessed. Although they cannot repay you, you will be repaid at the resurrection of the righteous. So Everyone has the same value. How do we value others like Jesus? Secondly, understand that relationships are part of God's plan to conform us into the image of Jesus. Understand that relationships is God's plan for our life. God has not designed us to live isolated. God has not designed us to live alone. God has designed us to live in community. And you see that theologically with Scripture, the Trinity, all these spaces. You see how God has designed us to be in relationship. When I look back over my life, I can see God's handiwork to bring certain people into my world at specific times. he has a purpose, often (laughs) more than not, because he wants to grind some ungodliness out of me, right? He will bring people into my world and has brought people into my world over my life because he wants to grind some flesh out of my life. He wants to work on me. He wants to work on my life, calls me to become more like Jesus. Proverbs 27 verse 17 says, we all love this one, as iron sharpens iron, so one person sharpens another. I think a lot of times, you know, like we think of that scripture and we go, well, oh, I need a mentor. I need to put myself under someone's spiritual leadership. I need to be position myself in this space with this person and these people because they're going to bring maturity and direction and, into my life. But you know what? I think this also applies in the other sense. When something rubs up against each other, right? When God brings that person into your life that frustrates you, that challenges you, that annoys you, (laughs) that frustrates you, God's sharpening you. Embrace that. Embrace that. Don't fight it. Allow God to do what He wants to do in your life. Iron sharpens iron. I believe it's also pointing to those relationships where we bump and get irritated by people around us. Like I said, it's these relationships that rub off our rough and ungodly edges, more readily shaping us into the image of Jesus. Look, we all have blind blind spots, right? Areas of our lives that we can't see or don't know. And it's through doing life with others that we get conformed into the image of Jesus. God, I'm convinced of this. God always, always in caps, uses the people in our lives to cause us to become more like Jesus. How do we value others like Jesus? Understand that valuing others goes on in both the seen and the unseen. Why? Because ultimately, what we do on earth, we do it for the Lord. Right? We don't do it to be seen. We don't do it to be rewarded. If you're doing something, this often reminds me, I heard this years ago, and it just challenges me all the time. If you're doing something to be praised and rewarded by people, that's all you're going to get. That's all that it is. If you want to be praised and rewarded by the Lord, do it in secret. Do it in the unseen, because the Bible's many places talks about how He will reward us internally and openly it says, in, remember in, in Colossians 3, it says, Slaves, obey your earthly masters in everything. Whatever you do, work at it with all your heart, working for the Lord, not for human masters, since you know that you will receive an inheritance from the Lord as a reward. So how are you, how are you serving and valuing others with your time, your energy, your kindness, your attitude, your love, your, your meekness, your servanthood, your speech. Yes, we do what we do to value people as Jesus does, but ultimately, we do it because we're serving the Lord Jesus Christ. We want to honor, value, and esteem Him through our interactions with others and the lifestyle that we live. My prayer is that let's be a people who value, who love, who esteem others as Jesus does, while understanding that we ultimately do it for the Lord. And I guess for me, and and working with Destiny Rescue, we, we seek to do this every day. Destiny Rescue seeks to do this every day as we rescue children across the planet. So with that, we'll throw across to the screen, we'll throw a video, and then we'll continue our chat. That one's <laughs> nice and young, all right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. This one is oh, a baby. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. We could have um, a yeah, baby? Yeah, 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 yeah. Okay. About now. Okay. You want to see the lady? I show you first. Make sure young girl. Yeah, high school graduate. Enjoy yourself. Incidentally, 14 years. 14 years. 12 years. A lot of the times you get one chance of this. And that one chance might be the only chance those victims get. We've got girls' lives on the line here. Many children, when they go to a bed, it's not to sleep, it's to be abused. We rescue these kids out of a living hell. My hope for these kids is, is a normal life, like coming from being abused all the time to a place of freedom. Every child that we rescue out of the sex trade, we hope we can play a role in them never returning to the sex trade. we want to build within that girl resilience so that they don't slip back into making bad choices and we also want to inspire them to be everything that they can be we want to walk that journey with them and challenge them to push themselves to get there awesome let's go to slide two on my presentation look Destiny Rescue mission is to rescue children from sexual exploitation and human trafficking and help them stay free. That is our mission. That is why uh, we started 22 years ago. Tony, who you saw on the screen there, he is an Aussie. Well, he's a Kiwi, but he was brought up, moved to Australia at a very young age. His father was a Christian outreach pastor. It's called I think it's called INC now, the COC movement. And his father in Cairns was a pastor for many years, and Tony tells a story about how he was on holiday in Southeast Asia, and he overheard two men talking about how little they could spend or cost them to abuse a child. And he was in that moment, and he he was in Sparky, an electrician, and in that moment, uh, he said to God, God, what is going on? What are you going to do about this? And in that instant, he felt God... Turn that back on him and say, Tony, what are you going to do about it? And that's where Destiny Rescue was born. So we've been around for 22 years. We're based out on the Sunshine Coast in Queensland. Uh, we're pretty new to the WA space. We've been here for three years and um, we're building a base here. People are starting to get to know us. Who here has seen the Sound of Freedom movie? A few hands. So OUR, which is who that uh, movie is based on, that organisation, we've done a number of uh, raids and operations with Operation Underground Railroad. I encourage you, if you haven't seen that movie, see it, because it helps to build a picture of the issue and what we're trying to address as an organisation. Together, next slide, together, I want to encourage you, we can solve this issue. We can make a real difference. And our vision as Destiny Rescue is to play a leading role in in ending the sexual exploitation and trafficking in our lifetime. And at the end of my talk today, I'll talk about how you can partner with us to rescue children and end sex trafficking. Next slide. Right now, they believe that there is a conservative number, we choose to use a conservative number, Right now, today, Sunday morning, 5th of November, at least one million children are being exploited right now. That's a conservative number. Most organisations believe it's closer to two or three million. Next slide. Four out of five of those are girls or women. For us as an organisation, last year, 91% of our rescues were female. Because in a lot of cultures, they're the first to get pushed out the door, and they're the first and they're the most vulnerable in any, communi- in any community. They, you know, and obviously normally uh, poverty is the driver, okay, that gets these people pushed out the door. Next slide. Sixty percent of these are in, on our doorstep. As a, as Perth people, they most of them are closer to us than it is for us to go to the east coast of Australia, to Brisbane, Sydney. It's closer for someone to get on a plane in Perth and go to these spaces and get up to nonsense than it is for them to fly to the other side of Australia. So for us, it holds extra pertinence because it's on our doorstep. Next slide. I guess we can all agree that a child's bed should be to sleep at night. It shouldn't be to go to work. I'm glad that as a dad as a, of a six-year-old and a three-year-old, as much as they frustrate me at times that they don't sleep through the night, <laughs> that sometimes at 3am I get yelling from a bedroom or something's going on, you know, and I don't get a good night's sleep, I'm glad that my children, when they get to put their head down on that little pillow that they can go to sleep, that they're not going to go to work, forced work. Next slide. So we, our highly trained agents, our teams of agents, go undercover into some of the darkest places on the planet in search of children trapped in sex trafficking and exploitation. Once identified, agents work relentlessly to bring these kids to rescue. We have 150 rescue agents that night after night are going into bars, brothels, nightclubs, KTVs, massage parlours, actively on the front foot looking for children that are being exploited. We work in covert operations, we work undercover, we do rapport building in high-risk communities, we do raids with law enforcement collaboration. We're not, we're not renegades. Anyone seen the movie Taken? That's not us. We work with law enforcement. We work with organisations like the AFP, MI6, the FBI. In the Philippines, we work with the NBI. We don't work with regular police. We work with anti-trafficking police. So wherever we can, we work very closely with the law enforcement, and they more often, not when they're going out to do raids, or they're going out, they've got things going on, they'll pull us in to pray with them. They'll pull us in to have prayer with them and, and commit these things to the Lord. We have border and transit monitoring. You would have seen the ladies in blue, the woman in blue, getting on that, on that bus in the video. We have 24 border stations on the Nepalese border where we work hand in glove with the Nepalese customs, rescuing children that are being trafficked across the border for organ harvesting, for sexual exploitation, for labor trafficking. Last year alone, we conducted 23,000 interviews on that border and we were rescuing on average 18 people every week that were being trafficked. 18 people, that's crazy. Every week, 18 people. For us as an organization, the thing that sets us apart, that gives us a point of difference, is two things. One is we believe our mandate from God is children. So our agents are trained to go into the darkest places looking for children that are being sexually exploited. They go in undercover. They build cases. They go in with undercover cameras. They work with law enforcement to build a case, to get everything on camera, because we don't want to just... We do want to remove the child, (laughs) but we want to solve the whole issue. We want to create a case. We work with prosecutors. So at the end, when we do a raid with police, we can arrest the pimps, the mamusans, and we can bring them to justice, and we can rescue the children. So children are our target. The second thing is our agents actively go into these darkest spaces. A lot of uh, other organizations will wait for referrals from police. They'll wait for referrals from the ser- equivalent of child services in different countries. But I just want you to know that our agents are relentless. They are trained to go in night after night into these horrible places looking for children. Earlier this year, I went in into Thailand and I went into a massage parlor, undercover, false names, You know, went in, false story. And there were eight 14-year-olds that were being sold in that place. And we went in over a number of weeks. Our agents went in. I just visited them on the week before we performed the raid with the police. And to see these eight 14-year-olds trapped, no choice, They they have no voice, they have no power, no ability to change their situation, and they're being sold... To men for sex, it's despicable. It is not what God wants for these kids. It is horrible. But I'm proud to work for an organisation that is rescuing these children. Next slide. We work across twelve countries. We have twelve rescue nations. We have three in Africa: Zimbabwe, Kenya, uh, Zimbabwe, Kenya, Uganda. Now, a phenomenon that we have in Africa is something called child-led families. So what happens a lot in Africa is mum or dad will die of a preventable, preventable disease often, or they'll become addicts, or they'll leave for work, and they'll basically just abandon their children. Now, what we're finding there is, with these child-led families, is we, you have girls uh, who, and sometimes boys as well, but primarily girls, who very quickly work out that if they're going to feed their younger brothers and sisters, and maybe an elderly grandparent, the only way that they can do that is sell themselves for sex as a 12-year-old. And per encounter, getting 25 cents, so that they can just put food on the table for their younger brothers and sisters. Then we move into Central America, we work in three countries in Central America. Now, One, co- I can only tell you about one of those countries because the other two countries we can't talk about because of drug cartels, corruption in government, all these things. The one that we can talk about is the Dominican Republic. So our agents went into a bar in the Dominican Republic last year. They had found two children that were being exploited, and they went in. They thought they were going to do a covert rescue. So a covert rescue is where they go in. Uh, Basically, over three or four visits or however long that takes, they build the trust of the child, okay? And they would reveal themselves who they are to that child. This is who I am. This is who I work for. Do you want to come with me? You can get out and we can rescue you, essentially, but they worked out very quickly there was more exploitation going on in that establishment. Then seven months later, in conjunction with the Dominican human trafficking, we raided 11 establishments simultaneously in that nation, and we rescued 71 individuals that were being sold for sex and being exploited. So it's where we work in Central America. Then we go into Asia. Case okay, where I was talking about where 60% of this takes place. So, the four countries that I can tell you about, there's two that I can't. Okay, some of these countries we can't tell you about because obviously we're a Christian organization. And in some of these countries where we operate, the governments don't like us, they don't like our message, they don't like what we're doing. They're also shame based cultures. So, it's oh, we don't have those problems here. Recently, organizations I know last week you had Steve speaking, he's a good man. Compassion has been kicked out of one of the countries that we work in because it's faith-based. And World Vision have also been kicked out of countries that we work in because it's faith-based. So we're very careful we don't talk about it a whole lot. Um, Last week, or no, sorry, last month, one of my team was sharing in a small country town called Court in South Australia. Has anybody heard of a town called Court? I said, oh, you have. There you go. Fantastic. First person I've ever found that knows where it is. I never knew where it was. He rang me and he said, you wouldn't believe what happened today, Jason. I'm like, what happened? Tell me, John, what happened? I met a rescued I met a rescued woman today in a small church in Naring Court, South Australia. So we have to be really careful the way we protect our agents because the world is so connected now through the internet and through devices and things we have to be really careful. So look, the four countries were there. Uh, Nepal, the Philippines, Cambodia, and Thailand. Uh, and then we go... And in, so, in, like I mentioned, in Nepal, we have border stations. And then in those other countries, we go into establishments looking for children. So that's and that big part. We also have teams that work in the online space, OSEC, Online Sexual Exploitation of Children. And they work, sadly, since COVID, because people couldn't travel, the online space of abusing children has gone through the roof. It is massive. And uh, we know that 100,000 Australians every year travel for sex tourism. 31% of child pedophilia prosecutions in Thailand all time are Australian. 31% Australians are the third largest streamers of CSAM material. So, child sexual exploitation material online behind we're the third largest in the world behind the United States and Sweden. Then it's Australia. It's crazy, right? So we believe that we, with God's message, can bring an answer to this. Last year, next slide, I need to move. We rescued 3,144 individuals. Praise God, that's that's not the individual, that's the family. Radically, their life has changed. Radically, they're turned around and they're set up to have a future. Our CEO was in Africa earlier this year, and he said he was walking around the slums in Africa, because a lot of our team, they canvass the slums and marginalised areas in Africa where these children are selling themselves, because they have no other option, right? And he said, you would walk around in these slums, and all of a sudden, there'd be a business on a corner, it would pop out of nowhere. And it's businesses that we've helped rescued children start. Pretty awesome, hey? You know, and we coach them over a few years to grow that business, etc. It costs us on average $1,800 to rescue a child and $10,000 to perform a raid. Okay, next slide. After we get these kids, I'm going to hurry. After we get these kids, we put them into a transitional home. So we'll assess them. We'll work out why they're in this situation. Our goal as an organisation is to get them to go home. If that's safe... We, will get, we, will, we would prefer them to go home because we know that they heal better and they heal deeper and they heal quicker if they're in a space where they're loved, right? Now, if that's not safe because the family, for whatever reason, right, I won't go into that, we then put them into a residential home. Now, I can say most of the children we rescue, 80 or 90% of the children we rescue go home, which is great, but there's a portion of them that it's not safe So we put them in residential homes, and we put them into that space. Next slide. So then what we do when we get these children is we set up a freedom plan for them. Now, this freedom plan is tailored to each individual child, depending on their situation, their country, and the nuances of how they ended up in that space. It's tailored towards them. First, we want them to be in a safe place. Secondly, we want them to have health, have healthcare needs met. A lot of these kids are being messed up, so they need help physically. We provide temporary economic assistance. So, like I say, when they go home, what we will do is we'll provide a stipend to that family initially. Whatever's needed to eradicate that vulnerability, we'll provide a stipend. So it might be food, uh, money, or whatever's needed to help eradicate that vulnerability. Then what we do is we bring educational and vocational solutions to that child or to the family. If the child, In all the countries we work, school-leaving age is different. So if the child's young enough, we'll pay for them to go back to school and we'll train a guardian in a vocation or we'll coach them to start a business. Now, if the child's old enough, we'll do that directly with them. Now, whether the child's at home or in a residential uh, house, we'll do the same plan with them. And then obviously, their spiritual growth and emotional needs. Each child will be exposed to the gospel. It looks different in all the countries that we operate, but we do things like giving out Bibles, we transport kids to church, uh, we do caseworker-led devotions, we pray with the child, water baptisms, we connect them with local churches. It's been so great, we, we Skyped in with um, our team in Zimbabwe, and they were saying how before Destiny Rescue came to our area, uh, I was the pastor was saying I was struggling to get three people to church, but now Destiny Rescue is here. I don't have space for everyone that wants to come to church, and it's been great seeing how it is transforming these places and spaces. Next slide. God cares about this injustice. He cares about these children being sexually exploited and enslaved. And his desire for us, his church, his people, is to care too. In fact, the Bible says, give justice to the poor and to the often orphan. Uphold the rights of the oppressed and the destitute. Rescue the poor and helpless. Deliver them from the grasp of evil people. Give justice. Today, justice is in our hands to provide. Being Christ's followers, as part of His church, we are to intervene and provide justice for them. In fact, the entire Bible, from cover to cover, is a rescue story. God loved mankind enough to send His Son, Jesus Christ, to earth to rescue us from our sin. And because He rescued us, we should also be in the rescue business, delivering others from exploitation, particularly vulnerable children. God has rescued us so we can rescue others. Next slide. I know that hearing about this can cause all of us, me included, to feel overwhelmed and powerless. But I always remember, I always bring it back to this. We can't do everything but we must do something. Something to radically revolutionize the life of children who are trapped in the most horrendous and dark spaces. I'm here today to ask you to step up and to become a monthly supporter so that rescue can be brought to these children who are being hideously abused and exploit it. We are a, we're in a society, right? We're becoming a month monthly subscriptions is normal. We do it for our own desires. It's not it's not something that is new to us. Every month we pay our Netflix subscriptions, we pay our Disney subscriptions, we pay our subscriptions for this app and that app, and it all comes back to us and feeding our what we want and our own desires. Why don't we make a difference? and choose to take up a monthly subscription to bring rescue to children across the earth. Would you join us to rescue children from the darkest places on the planet? In bars, brothels, nightclubs, KTVs, massage parlors. Would you join us on the borders of Nepal, intervening as children are in the throes of being trafficked into a lifetime of distress and repeated abuse? Would you join us on the streets of the vulnerable and marginalised communities where children have no choice but to sell themselves for as little as 25 cents per encounter just to feed their younger brothers and sisters? Today we all stand at a door called Rescue. A door with a door handle on one side where we can make the decision to put our hand onto that door handle and to open rescue to a child on the other side. Would you join us as we rescue children to their God-given destiny? Every child is worth the risk. Every child is worth the love. Every child is worth the cost. Every donation you give is tax deductible over $2. I would love to speak to you today. I will be out in the foyer at my stand. I have these forms. There's four lines in here where you could radically change a child's life. I want to encourage you, please today, make the decision, step up, bring rescue to a child, radically turn their life around and see them Put into their God-given destiny in Jesus' name. Let's pray. Father, we bring every child to you, every child.